Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. Well, uh, I am, I, I say this a lot when I introduce people, um, and I probably mean it 70% of the time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I am, I am incredibly honored. I'm so excited to, uh, sit down here virtually with, uh, Pierre Pinar. I just messed it up. Didn't I, did I say, did I say it right? Pierre Pinar? Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, okay. Perfect. I, I literally just recited that 10 seconds ago. So, uh, he is, um, he, if you're in, if you're involved in packaging, um, you know, he's the president of the world packaging organization, um, and is, is helping to push packaging, uh, globally. And I'm, I'm really excited for the conversation that we get to have. Uh, it was funny because he showed up and he showed his, uh, the sunny background of the gold coast of Australia. And I got to inform him that I've been there and that I have a I have a rugby shirt from the Gold Coast Titans, so uh, we have that in common. But uh, Pierre, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, I'm excited for you to be on. Um, we have listeners all across the world, um, in I think 42 countries now is where we're being uh, is where people are listening to our podcast. So because packaging is a global thing, so why not have the president of the World Packaging Organization? So I appreciate you coming on here. Well, thank you very much, Adam. And, and, and you're excited. I'm excited. I'm always excited when, when uh, people uh, want to interview me because I get to share what I'm passionate about. And in that way, uh, more people can hear about packaging. Yeah. Because we live, eat, sleep. Uh, we in the game, you know. Uh, and yet there are many consumers out there that are also dealing a lot with packaging, but maybe don't always uh, think about it. And in this way, we can make more people aware of what's around them and how it affects our lives and how it affects our livelihoods. But also, most important, at this stage of, uh, uh, in, the, in a sort of chronological uh, relationship in our environment, this is even more important from an environmental aspect, what packaging is doing to our, uh, uh, to our countryside and our right. seasides. Absolutely. And, uh, and we are going to, we're going to dive, we're going to dive into that deep end and I'm excited to, to swim in those waters with you a little bit. Um, and I want to, uh, uh, I, maybe just give me, give us a little bit about your background. It's the people of packaging. So we, we, we talk about packaging obviously, um, but we really want to highlight people as well. And so, um, I know a little bit about your background just cause you sent me some information, uh, you know, from, from South Africa. I want to give a shout out to uh, my good friend here in Utah, Sia Mali, who is from South Africa. So uh, I think go Springboks. Is that right? Uh, That's great. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so, um, so Sia, there you go. I did you a solid. Uh, so give us maybe just a little bit of a background on, on you. Um, you know, we meet, we meet at an industry event and, I've never, I don't know you, and you just say, this is who I am, this is where I came from, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, I'll do that. Uh, simply because I never, when I was back in school in my early years, I never ever thought I would end up in this field. Uh, and it was the last thing on my mind, and literally the last thing on my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I did not know about packaging. I, I didn't know there was such, such, such a thing. 
even yeah. though every morning you open the toothpaste tube and you use packaging yeah and you take bread out the out the bag to put in the toaster and you take your cereal out the box and your milk out the whatever and but we never think about it and uh, after school well for those south africans that are listening in you will know a little bit about the area that i came from which is a town called Hrofranet, which has about thirty thousand people it's a very country town uh, and a lot of the, the folk in the United States would identify with that being a country, uh, a country boy, uh, so to say. Uh, my parents grew up, uh, well, my, certainly my father grew up on a farm uh, in his early days. Although we, we, were, we lived in town, my parents were involved in a medical fraternity. And so uh, it was a very ordinary lifestyle. And after school, I decided to do pharmacy. Okay. And, uh, and, and at that point... Um, store and I knew nothing about packaging and, and and then I joined a large pharmaceutical company at that stage I, I say large being the large back in the early 80s the largest pharmaceutical manufacturer in the southern hemisphere and so wow. we were putting out a lot of drugs and uh, there were about four of us uh, new graduates and the CEO at the time which was a very dynamic person he called the four of us in and, he's, and we were all young, probably about 23, 24. Uh, and he said, guys, I want one of you to change your careers uh, into packaging. And none of us knew what he was talking about. <laughs> he said, we are spending millions, literally millions on packaging in this company. Mm-hmm. We're doing, and, and, and we know nothing about it. We spend all our time and effort and expertise in research and development of the drug side. Uh, Every drug we make, every tablet, every capsule, every syrup, injectable, whatever it is, goes into packaging, and we do not have an expert in packaging. Mm. So this was a Monday. He said, by Friday, I want one of you guys to put up your hand and change careers. Well, as a 23-year-old or a 24-year-old at that time, you think, wow, this is the CEO talking. He's going to change my life. Uh, This is a quick one to the top. And uh, I volunteered. And fortunately, the other three... Uh, did not want to know anything about it. They were stuck in and, and wanted to stay in their pharmaceutical careers. And I changed. And he said, that's good. When I went and saw him on Friday and informed him, he said, great to hear that. Now, find a university around the world and uh, go and study about it. And so I did a lot of research. I researched uh, your country, the United States. Um, and I'm pleased to say that, uh, that, that at that stage, back in 19, in the early 80s, um, they had quite a few universities doing it. MSU in a Michigan state, Clemson, uh, Mich- uh, Wisconsin, uh, Rochester, Institute of Technology. And all those universities I'm involved with today, and I do uh, lecturing at, at, at some of those universities in the United States. But because of my background, because of South African background that I, that I grew up in, I, uh, it, it was important for me to... Uh, and because of my links to Europe, I felt I wanted to rather study in Europe um, uh, because it was a toss-up between Europe and, and the United States. Yeah. And I found a university in um, West London, Brunel University, and they were offering a course specifically in packaging, uh, in the technology and the engineering of packaging. So it's sort of a chemical, chemical engineering-based course, okay. but it had a lot of the, uh, elements on the material side. Um, and that's what I wanted because I wanted to be more involved in polymers. 
and I love polymers. And so I went back and majored in polymers and then completed a master's um, through Brunel. Okay. Uh, and, then, and, then, and that's where my career kicked off. So do the you, interesting do, thing about this, I want to just say this, Mark. Yeah, go ahead. You never know where the turn comes and when a door opens in your career. And for all your listeners, especially the younger generation guys and girls, obviously, um, sort of the 25-year-olds, before I started my uh, actual studies in, um, in packaging, uh, I, um, uh, the CEO also said to me, get yourself involved in some or other association or an institute or an organization. He mm-hmm. didn't know. He was a, he was a pharmacist himself. Um, but he said there must be something around. And I saw there was a conference coming up. Remember back in 1984, there was no internet as sure. we know it today. Yeah, right. And so you, my word of correct, and and so my word of mouth, you you uh, you hear these things, and there was a conference on packaging going in Cape Town, and and so I went to Cape Town for this conference. Uh, it was just a one or two day conference. I I remember nothing about the conference. What I do remember is, and this is what I want to tell the folk, I needed a ride, or or some kind of uh, some countries call it a lift. I needed a ride back to the airport. And I was asking around, is there someone going to the airport? I was not from Cape Town. I was mm-hmm. from Port Elizabeth at that time. I moved from Crawford to study in Port Elizabeth, and, and that's where my career kicked off. And so I was ca- wanting to uh, uh, catch a flight back to Port Elizabeth. And uh, this one guy said, yes, he's going to the airport. So I said, well, great. Can I take the ride? He said, yeah, sure. Hop in, hop in. And so we, off we went. So he was at this conference, obviously, and we got chatting. And you can see the, my enthusiasm in this packaging thing. Uh, although I only had about six months in, in packaging, and I mean six months in a totally new environment, right. it meant nothing to me. And, um, but unbeknown to me, this fella was the current chairman or president of the South African Packaging Institute. Nice. And he said to me, bingo, you need to start off a branch uh, you know, uh, in in, uh, in in your own area, and and start off the, the institute in that region, which mm-hmm. I did. I was new. I got hold of the the older generation guys in the industry, and and we started that off. So that's really where my career kicked off was liaising with industry, other folk that are 30, 30 years experience, uh, and that interface. Mm-hmm. And that's the important part that people need to know. And Learn that- from those who went before you that really resonates with me on a, on a couple of levels um one thing that i i did write down is these these three other people at the pharmaceutical company uh if you're still in touch with them are you like hey uh, i'm the president now do you do you rub do you, do you remind them that they should have cho- they they're they're probably still doing pharmaceutical stuff you're like i'm i'm el presidente you don't <laughs> uh you, you, don't, you don't follow up with them yeah not so yeah, much. I, I, for some of them, I am, you know, and, and certainly the, the guy that uh, really groomed me in those early years, you know, and I can understand, I feel that way now that I'm the age that I am, you know, and, and, and when I, one of my previous trips, he's now passed away, unfortunately. Mm. But one of the previous trips, I, I, uh, I went back and I, I recently got my professorship um, and I popped around and he was an elderly man and um, I, I, I get quite emotional. Mm. Anyway, I popped around to see him and, um, he said, how's it going, Pierre? And I said, oh, I mean, you know, I moved to Australia and, and I'm really doing well in, in the packaging industry. Um, and I shared with him 
some of the stories that groomed and, and shaped my life. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, recently I've just you know, got my professorship in, in, um, in, in packaging engineering. And I mean, this guy was in, the, in that old age that he was, he, he was so emotional and so excited mm. that this youngster of 24, 25 that he remembered had now achieved what he had. He never, unfortunately, he never oh, learned uh, or never, he had passed away by the time I became president. Yeah. Mm. But a lot of the folk, you know, uh, back in, in South Africa that knew me in the early days, um, you know, they, they've done some interviews on uh, showing the side of those that come from very ordinary uh, backgrounds can also still achieve the heights uh, that others do. And, yeah. and, and you know, I've, I've done that and, and it's fantastic. But, but it's not only me, you know, there are many people that groomed me and helped me mm. to get to where I am today. Yeah, and that's kind of part of um, why I sort of set out on this podcast journey was, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to meet, um, meet people who are, are doing incredible things, um, you know, like yourself. Um, I, just, uh, I just interviewed, I don't know if you know, um, her name's Camille Chisman, Camille Core Chisholm. She's a Michigan State graduate, um, you know, 30 years in the industry. Just uh, somebody said, if, if Camille doesn't know it, then it probably doesn't exist. Um, you know, just these, these really dynamic uh, people who have, yeah. who, have taken, who have taken hold of packaging and have, have done incredible things. Um, and and I'm, I've, only, I've only been in it for 13 years, and I still feel like I'm learning constantly and i and i have so much more and and it's uh it's exciting it's really exciting for me um and so that that's cool to hear that you that that you have a same a similar uh walk in packaging that, that you were able to find uh people that you could you could talk to and um that could that could mold you um so you uh you you were in uh south africa and um now you're in Australia. So, what was that? What was that transition like? Um, why? Why the? Why the move? And um, uh, you know, maybe maybe talk about that. And then I want to get into some some specific topics that I know that we are mutually passionate about. Yeah, you know, I, I'd spent. I, I immigrated when I was uh, 37. We've been there 21 years now, and. Uh, I, when I was involved in the industry in South Africa, I really wanted to make a difference in the world. I felt I could add something. I didn't know what I could add. I just felt I could add. I could do something for others. And um, at, at, at that stage, I've been doing some uh, overseas travel, not much. But I just felt that I needed to align myself uh, in, in, a, in a situation where I had more access to, to the global arena. Uh, with up-to-date technology and, and so on. And, uh, and, and then, obviously, it, we, we had young children and, and we wanted to make the best opportunities for them. Uh, and we had travelled to, well, my wife had travelled to Australia and she really liked what she saw there. And, and I thought, well, you know, I've spent 37 years in, in South Africa. Well, why not spend the next 37 in Australia? Uh, you know, and, and well, now 
we came up to 21 and, and I don't think I'm moving from here now. <laughs> oh, so uh, fortunate. Yeah. And we love it. We really love it. And, and you can see in the background of my, uh, of my virtual screen, that that's a scene from the Gold Coast, one of the beaches at surface paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a, a simply, it's a paradise. Uh, but it, it opened up a lot of doors for me because one of the things I always wanted to do when I got into packaging and started learning more about this dynamic industry that is changing so much and so fast, yeah. I wanted my own business. I wanted my own consulting business. And uh, within two years of arriving in this country, uh, I created my own business. So mm. I worked for, for someone else, but not in, a, not in the packaging industry at all. At all. It was in the textile industry. Um, but it taught me a lot. It, it, even though it wasn't packaging, um, it gave me the, 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 the time to put my feelers out to learn the packaging industry of Australia. And mm. there's a lot of similarity between the Australian industry and the South African industry. Gotcha. But we knew no one. We, uh, and so we started from a zero base. But it's been so, so exciting. Uh, yeah. and, and it's just never stopped. And certainly once I've created my own business and, and started doing actual consulting work, that was a slow start. You can imagine, you know, in a consulting industry in a new country, no one knows you. They don't know your background. They don't know right. how knowledgeable you might be or might not be for that matter. But if I look back now, I'm so pleased I did start that business when I did. Because mm. um, it's open, that has opened even more doors in terms of the networking yeah, in Australia. But then once I became president of the Australian Institute of Packaging, that then gave me the stepping stone into the World Packaging Organization. Mm-hmm. And that's, to answer your actual question, um, I now realize this is where I'm going. Because and once I got into the World Packaging Organization, or the acronym being WPO, this is where I could make a difference. Yeah. And uh, it took me uh, seven years uh, being involved in the WPO to eventually get the the job the the role that I have now hmm. and that's the that's the role that I wanted because in this role that I'm in now I can now make a difference. Well, let's talk about that because um, I have uh, just just personally um, been been very uh, inspired in my own thoughts and in my own journey and walk um, and we've never met before now um, but I want to say it was at. Uh, it was maybe at Pack Expo, uh, and you spoke about how packaging can uh, can be this driving force globally to um, to save um, food, to, you know, to feed people and and to eliminate poverty. And and for me personally, and this is something you don't you don't know about me, but I I do spend a lot of time, energy, and effort on um, global economic development. And poverty elimination um, through nonprofits that I work with. Um, I get to. I've been to. Uh, I haven't been to South Africa, but I've been to Kenya. I've been to Rwanda. Um, I've been to India, and, and and not not because of packaging, um, but through humanitarian things. And when you said that, it gave me a renewed sense of of purpose and drive and meaning. You know this uh, this idea of well, why do you do this? And once that clicked, it was it was this it was this huge game changer for me that packaging is not just a thing 
but that packaging can act as justice, uh, whether it's, whether it's for, for poverty or whether it's for starvation or whether it's climate justice, packaging plays a role in all those things. So um, that was an awesome moment for me. And I'm excited to kind of dig into that a little bit with you because um, I know that you are equally at, probably even more passionate than I am, uh, that I can get pretty passionate about this topic. So, uh, so how for people who, who have never even thought about that concept before um, in, in a 50,000 foot view, how does packaging play a role in something like feeding the world? Well, firstly, I must say I'm equally pleased to hear of someone who's as passionate or maybe even more passionate than me. Uh, and it's folk like you that make the difference in this world. We, we need more Adam Peaks around the world. <laughs> I think, I think my, I think my wife, my wife would, would maybe say differently. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, we influence, we, we influence people. We don't even realize we're influencing in our discussions, in our way we conduct ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sometimes months, sometimes years later when we, when we hear, uh, like you just said, you know, I, I don't, I remember that this, I remember the presentation I gave at, um, at Back Expo. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I don't know whose lives I'm touching at that moment. Yeah. What I do know is I'm touching my own life because I, f I feel very emotional about it and I become very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I hope, and, and it certainly sounds like it, that, that emotion w was carried across somewhere. It landed, else. it resonated <laughs> and made its way That's into right. my soul. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. It. You know, Adam, I, I have to say that uh, when I, when I had this, uh, and very, I'm fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed to be able to be in the position that I'm in. Uh, and and when I when I took over uh, in Rio de Janeiro in to, end of 2017 in Brazil, uh, I met the press. And and one of the things that I said to them was I set my objectives. And the number one objective was uh, to reduce packaging waste around the world. I then said, I don't only have one objective, I have a number. The second one is I want to reduce the food waste. At the current levels, we're wasting about 35% of food. Now, I'm just giving you a global picture. Yeah. Uh, that needs to be broken down and we can discuss that later, maybe. Um, but I can also tell you that in some countries, it's even higher than 35%. Right. But global average, I reckon, around 35%. If we did not waste any food around the world, no one would go hungry. Yeah. So we've got the food. We're just wasting it. Right. Simple as that. And, and you told me earlier on you're involved in, in, in food waste programs. So you know that this is, this is not new for you. And, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating for you when you see people waste. Yes. It's frustrating for you. When you, when you see people take food and put it on their plate, where they help themselves and they don't finish the plate of food and it's you know, thrown in the rubbish bag. You know, was one of, you know, it was one of this moment. I came back my first trip from, uh, I went to Kigali, um, Rwanda, and I was there and I, um, it was really my first trip. Uh, I traveled internationally, but for like vacations, this was my first time, you know, I was with, uh, I, I was out with the pig, like a pygmy tribe. And then I, uh, I got to meet with um, uh, genocide orphans 
and hear their stories. It was a very emotional trip. Um, and, and I remember I came back and I, I struggled re-entering. I was only there. I think I was gone for like a week and a half. It wasn't like I spent an exorbitant amount of time, but re-entering into United States society. And I, I was struck by this thing where I, I thought we have, uh, obesity and within, with people who are poor in our society. And that, that was a, that was this, that was this weird thing that I just, I just remember I couldn't, I couldn't wrestle with. Um, and so, and, and, and then it's even, you know, when I, when I, uh, I spend a lot of time in South India near Chennai um, and yeah. you know, the, the, the economic disparity and it's just a, and, and then, and then to think that packaging is a, is a part of a, a part of a global solution is, is really, is really cool. So um, yeah, sorry. I, I think I interrupted you there, but you were oh, in Brazil oh, we're talking about, talking about food waste. Yeah, but you, 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 you're supporting what I'm saying. And, and, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that, you know, uh, because when, when one breaks into these new um, areas where you want to make a difference, sometimes you feel very lonely. Uh, and you lack, and you think you're lacking support. So when you hear others in another country across the world having a similar passion and feeling, it, it, it I feel better. You know, it, well, it makes my day. Uh, good, good. Well, it's early, it's in the morning there. It's nighttime here, so <laughs> I'm glad I've already made your day. Whole, that's right. I want the whole day to feel good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so so reduction on on packaging, reduction in in, in food waste, uh-huh. and then. And, and, and decrease poverty. Because I knew that if I could fix the first two, then poverty will come on its own. Mm. Because it's restructuring uh, how we do things in terms of, of, of uh, uh, by reducing food waste, we need to uh, also correct the packaging. Yeah. And this is why, and you told me earlier on that you're involved in, in Flexible. So you, you, you know quite a bit about, you know, the polymers and the, and the structures of it. Because, why am I saying this? Because in many cases in, in developing countries, the, the, the material construction is not always the correct one. Yeah. And so one of the other spin-offs of these three main objectives was to increase the education across the world. And I can then put, uh, along with a team, and I have to pay, play, uh, pay a lot of credit to my executive team that I have uh, across the world that work with me. Um, and they're doing enormous amount of work. And a lot of it is voluntary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making a difference. Because now we can put in place educational programs in developing countries. And yeah. through this, we created a memorandum of understanding on an alliance with the world, um, with, with the United Nations, mm-hmm. with the UNIDO offshoot, United Nations Inter- Industrial Development Organization. So we partner with them in educational programs, predominantly educational programs, making people more aware of packaging, but educating in a class environment. We send out uh, lecturing teams to educate uh, folk about packaging and, and, and how you decide and what makes the difference between um, packaging um, potatoes and, and packaging ice cream or butter or whatever the case might be. Yeah. And I'll give you an, I'll give you an example because often when you hear an actual example, then it clicks in. 
and, and, and a story tells a thousand words or a picture tells a thousand words. So hopefully I'm going to paint a picture. Okay. So I was in, um, uh, in, in Nigeria. Um, and, uh, and one of the uh, positive aspects of this role that I have is I travel an enormous amount. Obviously not now during the coronavirus. Right. But I would spend two-thirds of a year outside of, uh, outside of Australia traveling because we've got 60 members and, and our membership is countries, not individuals or companies. Yeah. And so all those countries, I try to get to them. And uh, I was in uh, Nigeria and we were, and I was giving some lecturing on, um, on the technology of packaging. But one of, the, one of the days we had a field study day. And so we went out into industry. And one of the other things we went to was an open market. Bearing in mind that in Nigeria, 70, 70% of all goods sold are sold on the open market. Right. Now that's very different to know where you live and where I live. Sure. Uh, you know, I would say it's completely the opposite. 90%, if not 95% of all products are sold in, in, a, in a formal uh, uh, retail outlet. Right, not right. Not an informal open market where you you know, the African sun beating down and, you know, all those elements. Yep. Anyway, we're walking around, this group of us, and uh, we came across this lady selling um, cocoa beans. But I could see the cocoa beans were in these large bags, plastic bags, and, uh, and there was moisture inside. Obviously, the cocoa beans were sweating. Yeah. So I started chatting to the lady who was running the show, running the, the little store, and I said, uh, you know, we involved in packaging, and uh, we're just walking around establishing, you know, what we're seeing and, and making comments. And, and I, I said, how's your packaging going? And she turned to the cocoa beans and she said, you know, I've just received those bags from the, my supplier. My supplier is a farmer and he brings them in on a, on a horse-drawn cart to the market in, in, um, in, in, um, uh, in Nigeria. This was in Lagos. Yeah. And uh, I said, yes, and, 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 and how's that going? She said, you know, my shelf life on the cocoa beans is, is way too short. My other competitors uh, in, in the market area, yeah, they, their shelf life's much longer. Well, you and I could see where the problem was. Yeah. But I said, yes, I see, I see that moisture, that wet inside. And she said, yeah. And I turned to, I knew there was a guy that uh, was in our, in our class and I sent to him and he was from a flexible company. Okay. So I said to him, is there any chance? And I gave him the, the, the material construction I wanted. I said to him, can you organize some bags for this lady? If you can maybe get a hundred bags, but I want aerated holes. I told him what hole size I wanted, et cetera, et cetera, and the material construction. And I said to the lady, this guy will, will make sure in the, in the coming weeks, you will have a hundred bags and you use those and um, I'll make contact with you through my contacts here in uh, Nigeria in, in the months to come and we see how it goes. Okay. And off we went. I left my card with her um, and off we went. About two months later, three months later, my contact uh, in uh, Lagos, he calls me. He said he's made contact with that person again, that lady. And, and he happened to be in, the, in that open market and he went to see her. And she was smiling from ear to ear. Uh, and, and he said, what's, what's going on? She said, I don't have any problems anymore. My product doesn't sweat anymore. Right. And now there's a vast 
the basic mistake being made, I can give you many examples that I see around the world in the developing countries, and all they need is help. They need edu mm. more education to know what to do, and then they can also compete on the international market. Mm -hmm. And so we have this disparity. And so I know if I can fix things like that, there is a classic example of cocoa beans going wasted. So she's not supplying. So she's, she's uh, uh, not making the sales. So she's sort of living on the bread line where she couldn't make more sales. She's wasting food. So you, you can see the togetherness and the link between food wastage, poverty, and, right. and, 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 packaging, and packaging waste. They're all interwoven. Mm -hmm. You fix two, the third one fixes itself. Oh, yeah. And now in the role that I've had now for nearly three years, the wheels are starting to turn. And that is what is so exciting. That's awesome. Um, that's such a great story. Uh, I, I have, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've never been to Nigeria. I do want to go. Um, I've heard it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, um, but I, I've, I've seen, I, I had a friend who did, um, what's his job? He was, he was a trader in Africa and he traveled around buying tea and coffee and then exporting it to the U.S. He worked for a U.S. company. He's an American. And uh, one time he told me that he was in a village and he bought them a goat. And he, he said, this is what you do with a goat. And uh, two days later, he went back and he said, where's the goat? They said, well, we ate it. And he was like, yeah. why did you... It, well, we were hungry. He's like, I bought you the goat so that you could have commerce and you could have this. And they were like, oh, we didn't, you know, he's talking through a translator, obviously. I think he was in uh, Tanzania at the time. But um, that the, the importance of education, not, not um, you know, I'll say like, I'll use a loaded term, but like not colonialistic education where we're saying, you know, that you have to do things like this and we're going to come in and we're going to do it, but rather cooperative education to help them understand that, you know, hey, there's there's a better way that's available for you in your place, and this is what it will do. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that, I think, even in financial institutions with micro lending instead of, you know, uh, welfare checks. It's a lot of participatory um, knowledge, and so that's a great story. I loved hearing that. Um, and and maybe along those lines with with food waste so food waste is and, and packaging can help with poverty elimination but pivot into the sustainability portion as well because food waste contributes quite a bit to uh energy use and greenhouse gas emissions with with global warming correct with just the amount that it takes to produce food and then to just chuck it rather than feed people is disastrous yeah, um, and, you know, again, it, it's such an important element. It, it's so important that uh, we created a, a portfolio within the WPO at, at, a, at a vice president level uh, that looks after sustainability, that mm. whole concept of sustainability, because we need to get the message across. The message is not getting not as not been getting across in the in the in the way that we want to get across, and so. We need to change the minds of the people. We need to change their thinking. When, but right back at the basic stage, when they design that, uh, that primary packaging, at that point, they need to make the decision that affects the long, the, the, the long term or the, the end of the cycle or, or you know, the end of, the, of that life of that uh, product. Mm -hmm. So 
we've got two elements here. The one is that we want to get the material construction correct, the science of it. Yeah. And through education, we can do that. And I agree 100%. It's not top-down education. It's bottom-up um, yeah. uh, non-colonial education. Yeah. I, I like that, that concept that you've got because that's very important. And, and it's involving the local fraternity when you educate. Because some of these countries we have found, uh, especially in Africa, they have got some folk that are that are got experience and knowledge, and we and we include them in the in, in the lecturing team. Let's call it imparting that knowledge yeah. uh, uh, to them. Because the last thing you want is in this in this sort of dictatorial approach. And so you know uh, we, we did it very well in in Mongolia last year. Um, we, we done it in Jordan, uh, Lebanon, um, uh, across the Gulf regions. Um, and, and, and then in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, mm -hmm. Thailand, uh, Philippines. Um, and, and we've, we've seen the change in number one, in the design aspect, in, in getting the construction correct. That's on the one side, more on the industry related side, but on the other side, and this one I wanted to share with you. So I'm glad you asked the question about 12 years ago. Um, my eldest son at that stage was in grade five. And, you know, when you, when you drop off the kids at school and et cetera, et cetera, you, you sometimes talk to some of the teachers. And, and this was um, yeah, about 12, 13 years ago. And uh, the teacher at the time, one of his teachers got to know me and he asked what I do, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he found it quite fascinating. He never thought about packaging. And so he said, why don't you come and chat to my children, uh, uh, to the kids in the class about packaging? Yeah. I said, fantastic. I'd love to. And that... In, through that, we, the, the concept of educating the little one was born because I then went back uh, and, 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 and taught the, the grade sixes and the grade fives about the basics of packaging. Mm -hmm. And over the years, over the 12, 13 years, I've now brought it all the way down to grade one. And uh, where I go in and I teach them uh, about packaging and the right things to do with it when they remove the contents from the packaging, what do they do with the packaging? Yeah. Because if we can, if we can change the minds of the grade ones and grade twos, we're now creating a, a culture of doing the correct thing with that packaging once you have removed the contents from it. Yeah. Because I, to give you an idea, I was in Lebanon last year and, and, and giving a lecture there and during one of the tea breaks, a guy came up to me out of the, you know, the, the audience. And um, he said to me, I've recently graduated from university. I'm 24 years old, but I resonate with what you've just been, I've just given a lecture on sustainability and recycling. And he said, it resonates with me. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. He said, but we have a, I have a problem because I want to do the right thing with that packaging when I remove the contents. But we have a culture that we toss our packaging out the window. We don't want to uh, keep. Uh, we don't. We don't want our our car, our car to, uh, untidy and dirty. Yeah. And everyone does it. I said I didn't want to say this, but I, you know, we, you can see that around the countryside. And he said, "How do I change the culture of my people?" Hmm. And I said, "It's a difficult one." And 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 my philosophy on this one is, I cannot change the the culture or the mindsets of grandparents. 
Yeah. And I use that in a, in a sort of a general term. That could be anything from the age of 55 to 95, I understand. But that level, I cannot change their thinking. If they've sure. always done something in a particular way, it's difficult to change it. Right. But if I change their grandchildren's minds, they will say, hey, granddad, we don't, we don't, we don't throw stuff on the, on the ground. We put it in that particular receptacle and we put glass in that one and we put plastic in that one. We put paper in that one. That's yeah. how we do it, granddad or grandmom. And, and that's how you can change. And I now see 12, 13 years later in, in, in the region here around where I live, educating those young ones they are making the difference. And some of those children that I first started are now 26 years old. And I bump into them every now and again. And they still tell me that uh, they now, they start to have children. They've just started having children. And I said, they would never place anything anywhere else other than in the correct uh, receptacle nowadays. It, yeah. It's inborn in their culture. Right, and I think, well, man, this is what you want. This is exactly <laughs> what you want to hear because this makes the wheel turn even faster. Yeah, uh, that's so. Um, my uh, my wife and I are actually uh, working on a, a children's book about packaging uh, that should hopefully come out this year for for that exact uh, that that exact purpose. Is you know we we have five kids. My wife and I do ages uh, thirteen, eleven eight, six, and four, uh, had to think there for a second. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and if I ask you all their birthdays, will you remember all their birthdays? I do. I the actually dates. remember, I actually remember all their birth dates. So that's good. But, um, you know, we just, we, we, we do have, I mean, there, there is a, there's a, there's a, a practical reason and also an, um, you know, a, a a more, I don't know if the word esoteric, is that the right word? Anyway, there's, there, there are reasons to, to, to educate children about these topics because you're right. It's just psychologically, it's really hard for an adult who has gone their whole life to all of a sudden change. It can happen. Um, but the older you get, the, the less likely you are to change. And so, um, and I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing the, the generations, uh, you know, the millennial and then the Gen Z generation and and where i think i see it a lot in the u.s because i can't speak for other markets but where i see it a lot in the u.s is now the pressure that's coming into brands and how does a brand design and 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 put their packaging together because they're getting calls hey i'm going to go to your competitor because you know they're in they're in you know this this particular packaging versus that particular packaging um, i can recycle that at my curbside i can't recycle yours so I'm going to, I'm going to change. They're getting that. And so they're, the pressure is building, it's hitting the bottom line. And so yeah. that's, that's been, um, that's been interesting until, and this is kind of the final topic and then we'll sort of wrap it up because it, it, it's, I think it's all kind of tied together until about two and a half months ago in the U S when the coronavirus completely, you know, shut down the, shut down the world, you know, effectively just it, it, it hit everywhere. And, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about the, um, the, the food industry here in the U S and particularly the restaurants. And they said, well, we'll forget ever seeing a glass container of ketchup, a reusable recyclable glass container that sits there and that gets filled up and cleaned and filled up and cleaned. 
and you know, it ships and it's big. They said, no, it'll all be single use, all of it, because they, they won't, they won't risk the contamination for how long, who knows? But I thought, are we, it is what, what do you think? Because you have, you have a broader view of this, but the, the coronavirus has impacted every, every nation effectively. So what, what do you see happening with packaging and sustainability be, with, with sort of the aftershocks of this, of this, uh, this global pandemic? Adam, a very good thought-provoking question. And certainly in a number of the, the last few interviews that I've done, a similar question has come up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was everyone wants to know what's happening around the world. So at, at the moment, um, uh, and, and on a regular basis, I meet with uh, the, the folk that are involved in WPO on, on, a, on a Zoom platform um, every couple of weeks. And so just earlier, uh, earlier this month, I, I met with, uh, with, as normal, with a whole lot of guys um, and obviously ladies, and we, we were chatting about this particular question and listening to what their comments were from around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's slightly different between developing countries and developed countries. But the overwhelming response that we got was exactly what you said. Uh, the recycling aspect, or not really the recycling aspect, let's rather talk the sustainability aspect first, uh, seems to be placed on a little bit of on hold. They all realize what's happening. They all realize it shouldn't be happening, but it is happening. And that folk are taking this approach that does not allow for this sustainable um, uh, philosophy to to uh, penetrate our society. That sort of it's like the the coffee cups. One of the examples was that you know when you we have a ter- or some countries have a terminology called keep cups. I don't know if they have that in the US where you take your own cup. Right, and, right, and, right. And 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 that has sort of been put on hold because they don't want this cup that comes from somewhere and right. now it's being placed under the machine, potentially contaminating the whole machine system. Yeah. And so you've got to have a, a, one of our cups. And, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a bad day for, for, for what we're trying to push. But under the circumstances, we understand it. And uh, we've got a task force at the moment working purely on this aspect of how we're going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, to overcome it because we don't know how long this coronavirus is going to be with us. Is right. it, uh, you know, will it be gone by the end of this year? Will it be gone completely once we find a vaccination? We don't know these answers. Right. But what we do know is we cannot have the waste going into our waterways and our sea. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is large enough. We yeah. don't want to add to it. And so we realize that we have to do something different. Because mm-hmm. the amount of packaging, if anything, it's got more. You know how much home deliveries is being done at the moment in the United States. Oh, it's an, it's insane. Exactly. And yeah. every delivery is more packaging. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So we, we, we're in a dilemma. We're in a dilemma. And, 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 you know, we are the only global body that, that, that is interacting with all the packaging fraternity around the world. And so we realize it's on our heads. We need to come up with a solution. 
and we are working on right now, we've got parts that we can maybe um, put into place, but we haven't got the whole picture set. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, we are working on it. We realize it, but it's not fixed yet. Well, sure. Yeah. And I don't, I, I mean, whether or not, I, I don't even know because we don't, we don't really have a full understanding of the extent and the impact of the problem to your point. I mean, is there, is there going to be a vaccine and then we can, we can go back to these other things or what? I don't think anybody, if anybody says, I know what's going to happen with, with COVID-19, they're, they're crazy. I mean, cause we just, it's, it's all up in the air and um, you know, it, but the, the Adam, interesting. Uh, yeah. I must add this. I'm sorry to interject. You're fine. But what we are finding around the world, and this is the fascinating part, you've got, there's a spinoff. The spinoff in some of the countries, they're telling me that there's been a reduction in the food waste. Yeah. Because what folk are doing in their homes, because they don't want to go out as often to buy, and more, every time they go out, they're exposing themselves to, to COVID-19 uh -huh. in some other way. And so there's these preventative measures, and one of them is not going out as often as we used to. So, so when we buy, we're buying more with our mind. What, what food here can I buy that I don't have to go out to the store until next week again? So yeah. I'm now at home for the whole week. Whereas though previously, every second, third day, we were in the grocery store picking up milk or bread or jam or, or veggies or fruit and so on. That's changed. And so we are finding that the folk are making better decisions on their buying of food, but also on the usage of the food. The, the food preparation in the homes is becoming more, there's more involvement from everyone in the members of the family. And, and they're using all the food now. Or yeah. most of it, far more than what they were using. And oh, so yeah. there has been a spin-off. So there is a positive side. Yeah. There's a silver lining. I like that. Well, part. and you know, we're not we're not traveling as much, we're not getting on airplanes as much. You know, you hear the stories of uh air pollution, for example, in India has has decreased pretty significantly. So there are um there are positive silver linings, I think, uh in, in terms of environmental impact to humanity just sort of pressing pause. Uh, on the you know on the globe for a few months, um, and I didn't even consider the food waste. But I can tell you that in my family, like I said, we have five kids. There's seven of us in the house. Um, yeah. Our the amount of food that we're like, oh, that went bad, or those leftovers went bad, is is almost zero. I mean, we we don't hardly you know we don't eat at restaurants really. We don't. We'll occasionally order in food to help with the local economy, uh, just because there's so many jobs at stake with that. But you know, for the most part, you're right. It's shelf stable foods. It's, uh, we, we want things that are going to last because, you know, we just don't know. That's a, That's an interesting point. I never actually really thought through that. Um, and there's one other thing I must add before we, before we close. Yeah. And I want to get this part in, you know, what we have noticed, we've noticed it here in Australia, but I've also noticed it from our counterparts around the world. And that is because of coronavirus and the folks staying at home and in your neighborhood, in your immediate neighborhood, you know, there's sort of four or five people on either side of you and across the road. Yeah. You are now to some degree interfacing with them. And, and there's, there's more concern. There's more positive uh, uh, um, involvement coming from the neighborhood. They, mm -hmm. they, they're looking out for each other. 
Yeah. And, and getting this cohesiveness within the neighborhoods that was never there before. People are now more appreciative of the folk that live next door or across the road from them. Yeah. It's not just away from the car. Because they're all in the same boat and they're all in the same scenario of this, this very fearful disease that's spreading across the world, that concern for each other is greater than ever. And I am hopeful that this then beyond COVID-19 perpetuates in some other way and that we care more about our fellow man than we have before. That's a great place to end it. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, Pierre, how do, um, how do people get involved in the World Packaging Organization? If you're, uh, because like I said, we, we do have international listeners. We have a lot of listeners here in the US. So what, how, could, how could people um, get involved if, if they heard this and they got as passionate as I have gotten about it? What, is that, what does that look like for individuals uh, in, in different countries? Okay, I think the easiest for, for would be, um, I like to interface with them. So uh, I can always put them in touch with uh, wherever they are and which country they are. So the okay. easiest is to write to me at president at world, at world packaging, president at worldpackaging.org. And then I can then put them in touch. So if there's someone from South Africa on the line, uh, I'll put them in touch with the, uh, my South African counterparts, the same in the United States uh, and Canada and wherever else in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's an easy way. The other is to go onto our website, which is um, package, the World Packaging Organization website. Okay. Obviously, www.worldpackagingorganization.org. Okay. Very good. Well, I'll put that in the show notes um, on, on the podcast, which will be an audio format. And then um, also on the, the video portion as well. Uh, we'll put that down there so that people can just click a link and get in touch with you, Pierre. I am, uh, I'm so uh, honored to be able to share your story and hear about uh, your journey and to have uh, been impacted by that. Um, and and it's, my, it's my sincere hope that more people will hear it and more people will, um, you know, be able to understand, get knowledge and, and make, make positive change. So thank you so much, um, for, uh, for sharing. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully one of these days, uh, I'll have to go to gold, Co- to, to the gold coast with my, my rugby shirt and represent. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, having me on your uh, podcast. I, I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, and, and we always will look forward to having you uh, on the gold coast. If so long as you wear your Titan shirt. All right, go Titans. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.